Gascast, a Bristol Rovers fans podcast. Hello and welcome to another Gascast build-up, the series where we take a closer look at the opponents next up for Rovers. I'm pleased to say I'm joined by Blackpool supporter Joe Atherton. Joe, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, not a problem. Um, whilst we would normally kind of look towards the game on Saturday between Rovers and Blackpool, uh, today's episode's a little bit different because we're just going to speak through essentially the boycott against the Oyston ownership and hear your take on the controversy that's been going on for quite some time. So um, why don't you start by telling us kind of how you started supporting Blackpool? Have you supported them long? Uh, yeah, um, going to make me feel really old now. Uh, I got into <laughs> football uh, in general as a seven-year-old kid watching Italia 90. Uh, <laughs> fell in love with possibly the best England team since, well, probably the last World Cup. Um Pestered my dad to go watch the football. He was a Blackpool fan. And I think my first game was like September 1990. Uh, I think it was against Rochdale back in the old fourth division before Sky Television ruined everything. And uh, <laughs> it, it was a, a classic Blackpool game that ended in nil-nil. So yeah, hooked from there. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I um, I got hooked on Rovers in a nil-nil draw as well. It seems to be something about those, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, so, how long have you been boycotting games now? When was your last game? Right, my case is a little bit different from everybody else's. Um, I had a season ticket up till, I think, the last... The year after we got relegated from the Premier League, uh, first year back in the Championship. Um, mm-hmm. My issue was the fact that we'd gotten all that money from the Premier League. We didn't spend any in an attempt to try and stay in the Premier League. Arguably, our squad was worse than the uh, the team that um, got promoted from the Championship that actually played in the Premier League. Uh, when we got relegated, no money was spent on improving the squad. In fact, we lost key players, the likes of uh, Charlie Adam, David Vaughan. They all left. Uh, despite all that, uh, we made a really good run of it. We got to the playoff final and were narrowly beaten by uh, West Ham United at Wembley. My last game was the last home game of that season when we beat Burnley 4-0 at home. Last home game of the season which was back in April 2012. Wow, so a long time. A very long time, nearly seven years. Yeah, so I guess that's that's kind of what where I'm hoping to start. I mean, if you look back at the 2010-11 season where you had just reached the Premier League uh, under Ian Holloway, Rovers legend. Um, Indeed. Carl Oyston was still the owner at that point, and he has been since 1987, if that's that correct. It was, uh, it was his uh, father, Owen Oyston, that was owner. Owen couldn't legally be the owner of Blackpool Football Club because he had served time in prison uh, for a rape conviction. So right. his son, Carl Oyston, was the chairman. But potato, potato, the Oystons were still uh, running the football club. Yeah, so so what went wrong after that relegation from the Premier League? I mean, it, there's, a, there's many years between that Premier League season and when they first took over. Um, what went so downhill after that? Um, I think most Blackpool fans are, are fairly well-grounded. We've got no... Delusions of grandeur. We know that we're not a massive football club. We know that we massively achieved, overachieved, sorry, getting to the Premier League. Uh, if you 
you're going to pigeonhole Blackpool into your league position is, it's probably an upper League One team, lower championship team at best. The thing mm-hmm. is, though, when you get to the Premier League, when you win the world's richest game, which was worth, I believe, £90 million at the time, uh, to go from the Premier League back down to League Two with an alleged £90 million in your bank account is absolutely unforgivable. And there's no excuse for it, um, that amount of money. I'm not saying that we should have gone straight back up to the Premier League or anything, but with that type of money, you should be absolutely comfortably mid-table in the Championship without overspending or going crazy with money. Uh, it was the fact that, that no little to no money was spent on players, uh, no attempt to keep players. Uh, players, as I said before, like Charlie Adam and uh, uh, David Vaughan leaving the club for you know pretty small fees. Uh, not replaced with decent players, uh, slipping out of, well, Ian Holloway eventually got sick of it and left. Uh, I think we appointed Michael Appleton after that. He lasted 60 days before he realised uh, the true extent of what he was dealing with, with the owners. Uh, I think we got Jose Riga in. Um, I think he was at Charlton at one point. Uh, he he basically suffered the same thing. He, he, he had no money to spend. And it's been basically cycling through managers, uh, qualities varying very much so, um, and slip sliding through the divisions through the past five or six years. Wasn't Oyston found guilty of illegitimate illegitimate stripping at one point? Um, yeah. Basically well, I asset mean, stripping. Yeah. The main thing, with the, the, the main boycott is actually over him suing fans. Right. Um, internet message forums, obviously, there are a lot of fans uh, voiced their uh, misgivings and and, well, basically hatred for the family. Uh, we'd gone from being, you know, a, a, a stable mid-table championship club back to League Two in the space of five years. Um, people were asking where the money gone. People knew where the money had gone um, a long, long time ago. The Oysters actually separated the football side of the club from the uh, property side of the club. So if somebody did want to come in and buy the club, they they could sell the club and keep the ground and rent it out for themselves. So everybody knew it was going to be a very, very difficult task getting rid of them, that they were there to stay. Uh, and it, it got very personal and, and vindictive. If fans said anything, he'd sue supporters, which none of uh, which went to court. I believe a lot of them were settled out of court, but £20,000 is a lot of money for supporters. It may not be a lot of money for the Oyston family, but... Um, the fact that they basically bankrupt fans, uh, ruined their lives, it became personal. And that's where the uh, that's where the true boycott really started, around about four years ago. Suing fans from message forums, that's kind of just ridiculous, really, isn't it? Um... It is, especially when uh, basically what they were the, suing the fans for ended up being absolutely 100% proven in court to be true. Yeah, I mean, I see this court... <laughs> court found him guilty of the asset stripping essentially for basically paying off other companies that he owned is that is that true well one of the things that was found out before uh 
it, it went to court. Um, the court case was actually between uh, a guy that funded Blackpool's rise through the divisions. Uh, a lot of people have the misgivings of saying, oh, well, you weren't complaining about the Oysters when you were in the Premier League. And uh, I can understand from the outside looking in people saying that, but the fact of the matter is the Oysters didn't fund us getting to the Premier League. It was a Latvian businessman who joined the board named Valeri Belacom. Uh, he put the money in to buy Charlie Adam and other footballers while we're in the championship. He paid for the completion of the football ground, the uh, the South Stand, which was uh, derelict and there was nothing behind the goal for ages. And we had a, a temporary East Stand, which away fans fell through if they jumped up and down too vigorously when celebrating goals. So, wow. uh, yeah, it was um, the ground was a mess. Uh, he finished that off. Uh, there's actually a video on YouTube of Owen Oyston admitting all of this, that if it wasn't for Valerie Bellacom, we wouldn't be in the championship, let alone in the premiership. We wouldn't have finished the South Stand. So, uh, yeah, basically, if it wasn't for him, uh, we wouldn't have even made it to the championship, let alone the Premier League. And this um, this Latvian businessman, sorry, Valerie Bellacom? Yes. Um, where is he now? Is he not involved with Blackpool anymore? Well, uh, he's got an ongoing court case in some Eastern Bloc country, which I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce. Uh, <laughs> um, he was found guilty in their court. It stands up in their court. It doesn't stand up in other European courts. But the EFL have uh, deemed him not fit and proper, whereas uh, Owen Oyston, a man that's been found guilty in high court of illegally stripping money from the club, was perfectly fine to carry on running the club until the uh, High Court decided otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure what to say to that one, to be honest. That's, um, oh, that's the yeah, NFL so... for you. It's not just Blackpool Football Club that's been terribly let down by the uh, EFL. There's other clubs. You look at Coventry City. Um, they're in desperate need of finding somewhere to play their football next season. I believe that um, they're close to getting kicked out of uh, the Rico Arena. Uh, you've got troubles going on at Charlton with their terrible owners. Uh, Port Vale, very much in the same boat. It's it's not just Blackpool Football Club. It's there's, there's a host of clubs up and down the country that have been terribly let down by the AFL. Yeah, and I think Blackpool kind of shows that kind of fan power, right, in terms of the boycott and kind of it's got so much media. Um, basically, it's been noticed by the media so much that it's finally made a difference. So. Yesterday, 26th of February 2019, um, positive news. Uh, Owen Oyston officially removed from the Blackpool FC board with immediate effect. Is this, is this massive news for Blackpool? I mean, can you kind of explain how far this goes to, to resolving the issues, I suppose? It is massive. Um, as I say with a, the, the tiniest little bit of reservation, because if a buyer for the club isn't found... And if he manages to come up with the twenty-five million that he still owes um, Valeri Belacon, then technically he can apply to get back on the board. But he's had fifteen months to pay this money, and um, he showed very little intent of doing so. I think his uh, strategy has been kind of burying his head in the sand and hoping that it all go away. But um, mm-hmm. if that's not the case, and this is truly the end of the Oyston regime, then. Um, it's absolutely monumental for the football club. Um, all we've ever wanted was 
you know, to be on a level playing field with everybody else. You see other, t- I mean, down the road, you've got Fleetwood Town, who I think like six, seven years ago, they were non-league. And um, their owner is actually a Blackpool fan, ironically enough. Uh, Andrew Piley, um, he's put his money where his mouth is. He's gotten Fleetwood Town from a, a small counties division team up into League One. Spent millions on improving the football stadium. They've got a state-of-the-art training facility, Poolfoot Farm. Uh, whereas Blackpool basically tra- uh, train on a uh, windswept, muddy field on the front of Blackpool. Yeah, it's frustrating. I think um, I don't know what you know about Rovers at the moment, but Bristol Rovers have been—they've got um, the Al Cardi family from Jordan. Um, your situation is is far worse than ours. I think fans are frustrated with our ownership, but this kind of gives a little bit of perspective. I think. Um, well, I, I think I speak for everyone when I say that I hope it—I hope that's a positive platform for Blackpool to build on and kind of move past that difficult period. Um, have you? How do you keep track of results then? Do you still kind of keep tabs on the radio or do you just kind of cut it out completely? Up until about 50 months ago when the, uh, the courts uh, gave the verdict, I was very nonplussed about Blackpool. I mean, you never want your team to lose, but a victory for the team kind of was like a victory for their regime. So while I didn't actively like want us to lose, I wasn't overly fussed if we won or lost. Um, I think that the the time where I really got back into following Blackpool like properly was probably the League Two playoffs. Um, again, didn't go twenty games that season. Uh, I watched the semi-final leg, and the first leg I wasn't too fussed. And uh, it wasn't until Danny Hilton died for Luton, won a penalty, that I was actually enraged. And uh, <laughs> it, it made me realise, oh, I still do care. And uh, didn't go to Wembley. Um, I don't know if you saw the attendance, but the boycott stood really firm. Uh, yeah, that's took, good, good we news. Took, we took 35,000 to the uh, championship playoff against Cardiff when we were promoted. We took 30,000 to the uh, championship playoff when we lost to West Ham. Uh, we took about five and a half thousand to the League Two playoffs. Wow. So that's, it, that's very it, low, isn't it? It was great, and I think that's what actually got the attention of the media because we we felt very like it was our problem and nobody was listening to it. Local radio seemed to be the in the Oyston's pocket. Um, they were far too busy waxing lyrical about Burnley and uh, Blackburn Rovers' problems. Where you know, no disrespect to Blackburn, I think our of their problems pale in comparisons to ours. I think it really was that mass boycott of Wembley that that got the uh, media's attention and everything snowballed since then, really. Yeah, and a Wembley boycott can't be understated either. I mean, you look at stuff like the Checker Trade Trophy, you always kind of hope there's going to be a huge boycott, but the attendance is people do still go. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and it, and it held firm this season as well in a cup game, I believe. Is it Arsenal you had it? Yeah, um, absolutely typical. Um, Blackpool have never been known to get, you know, plum ties in the FA Cup. Um, Mm. All my years of supporting us, we've never really got past like the third round or anything like that. And of course, when the boycott happens, that's when all the uh, big boy draws come out for us. Actually played Arsenal twice this season. I couldn't go to either game. 
which was uh, pretty frustrating, but at least I managed to catch <laughs> one of them on the television. Yeah, the away the away game, they gave us the full 9,000 allocation and only 1,000 went. So, again, the, the wow. boycott stood firm there. And it, so it applies to away games as well, because a lot of boycotts might just be home games because that's where the cash goes towards the club, right? Where it stands is uh, Arsenal was a cup game, so gate receipts are split 50-50. And um, another one is if it's all ticket, because obviously the club get a bit of the money there. But um, Mm -hmm. as far as away games go, if it's play on the gate, it's fair game. So I imagine there'll be at least three or four hundred Blackpool fans uh, there on Saturday. Okay, and is this um, so when does this boycott end? I guess is my question. That's kind of an open ended one, but it's over. Uh, Everybody said that that they would stop go. uh, They'd start going once. Oyston had been removed from the club as of yesterday. He is no longer the chairman of Blackpool Football Club. He's no longer on the board. So uh, I think everyone will be back for the South End game on March the 9th. Wow, that's going to be quite an atmosphere then, I assume. Yes, <laughs> must... it, very much so. Yeah, there must be a real positive feeling around, well, the fan base at least. Do you think that's going to spread onto the pitch? I mean, you're already in a good position. It's, I think you're ninth in League One. Um, yeah, the problem is we've actually got a 12-point deduction hanging over us. So it's a very, very, very grey area, though, because we're technically not an administration. It's receivership. And right. administration is to do with financial irregularities and gaining an unfair, unfair advantage, overspending things that you can't really accuse Blackpool Football Club of doing, especially <laughs> under the earth. Uh, Oyston stewardship. Yeah, so it is a different situation, really, isn't it? Because I recall um, the bookies slashing odds on Blackpool to be relegated um, quite recently, I think. So, yeah, when when do you think they're going to find out about that? That's obviously um, there's going to be a decision. Uh, I think there's a meeting in early March, I think March 6th, and I think a final decision has to be given by the end of March. Uh, I think... It may go down to a vote from every other football league club. And if that's the case, then I can't see us getting away with it because as much as it'd be a bit of a dick move from every chairman to vote for us to have a, a points deduction, if it helps clubs get into the playoffs, they're going to you know look out for their own interests. And by the same token, clubs like yourselves and other clubs down there at the bottom, if it drags another team into the relegation fight, if we were deducted 12 points, we'd only be three points above the relegation zone. So, Yeah, it's a, it's, League One's a really tight league as well. I mean, the fact that you're in ninth and you can drop so quickly is uh, it's pretty crazy. So do you, think this, do you think this positivity, ignoring that kind of 12 points deduction, do you think this new positivity from the fan base is going to spread onto the pitch and potentially... In, what's your form like at the moment? Is it... Uh, it's patchy. We went on... Um a six-game unbeaten run. And to be fair, we did have some hard games. I think uh, our last two away games were Charlton and Sunderland. We drew both. Uh, we lost at home on Saturday to Oxford, which obviously yeah, wasn't a, a great one. result. But to be honest, I think we're, we're better playing teams that are um, nearer the top because I think we're the type of team that tries to soak up the pressure because we've got a pretty decent defence. I think we've got the most clean sheets in English football's top four divisions. 
He's got oh, 16 wow. clean sheets, but our problem scoring goals, basically. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Saturday was a nil-nil draw, to be honest. We don't tend to score too many goals either, so I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you've you've actually got Mark Bowler at left-back, haven't you? He played for us last season. Do you know much we about have. him, how he's doing? I'd, I'd love to tell you how he's played, but obviously I've not been to a game this season. <laughs> Just so. seen it on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, apparently he's, he's starting regularly, so I, I imagine that he's doing okay there. Must be good. And with that clean sheet record, he must be doing well. We'll, uh, we'll assume that he's doing well. Um, but yeah, I think you, just, you saying that kind of sums up the boycott, really, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, hopefully from here it can get a lot more positive for you guys. Um, yeah, hopefully do you, so. Do you see your relationship with Blackpool kind of being resolvable i mean do you see yourself going to games and getting back into the the same kind of supporter that you were before oh yeah most definitely i mean i don't actually live in blackpool anymore i live in rotherham but um uh i'm actually out of the country for the uh, first game back which i'm absolutely gutted about uh i'll be in germany for the uh, south end game oh, gutted but um I'll be going to the uh, Burton Albion game away from home on the 16th. Um, my first home game will be Plymouth at the end of March, and I'm counting the days. I can't wait. You're really throwing yourself straight back into it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Great. Great to hear. Um, oh, and it's Plymouth at your first home game, so we really need you to win that one, please. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for talking to us really appreciate it as i said it was difficult to find a, a blackpool fan to come on this um but hopefully yesterday's news kind of keeps going um, yeah definitely um again it's it's very difficult uh with the points deduction and everything hanging over us if we do end up getting a points deduction and even if we do get relegated i know it sounds very very strange to say I don't think anything can put a dampener on this season if the Oysters truly are out of the club. If you offered any Blackpool fan at the start of the season, you'll get relegated to League, to, league 2, but the Oysters will be gone. I'm 99% sure most fans would have taken it. Great stuff. Well, thank you for uh, for teaching us a little bit about it. I've heard loads about it in the media and stuff, but just to go into more detail and kind of hear it from a supporter, kind of how much damage it's done to the club is really, really interesting. Um, I'm sure all the listeners will agree. Um, just for anyone listening, thanks for listening. Um, I think we'll end it here. Be sure to share this if you liked it and subscribe with whatever podcast app you use. And um, yeah, up the gas. Bristol Rovers fans podcast.